Uh, this evening, I just want to thank the Lord um, because in October, I'm going to be serving him for 19 years. And that's just a miracle because I didn't think I would even live to be 20 years old. And God has done such a miracle in my life. He rescued me and he has kept me. He took me through the women's home. Good things come out the women's home, amen. <laughs> he took me through the home. He blessed me with, with the best pastors ever. And I'm so blessed to have had Pastor Ed in my life for all those years as a father, as a mentor, as a leader. Amen. I'm so blessed to have him and and to be able to be a part of his legacy is the greatest privilege and honor that there is. And I'm grateful to God for giving me a husband that loves him and chases after his heart and that my children are serving the Lord. I'm blessed for that. I'm blessed for this ministry. And I'm also really grateful to God for my friend, Chella. We, we're good friends. We go way back. <laughs> and uh, we've been working together in the ministry for quite some time. And I think we've seen each other through in prayer through some tough times. And, uh, you know, and for her husband, Pastor Esteban, for the church here, Hayward, thank you for the privilege of allowing me to come and share the word. And for all my beautiful pastor's wives that are here and just for coming out and all the women, thank you so much. I feel so blessed and humbled to be here with you this evening. Amen. I have a word from the Lord that I want to share with you. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them at this time. And I want you just to follow along with me. I want you just to stay focused. Amen. Matthew 27, 50, and I'm going to read. The word of God says like this. Jesus again gave a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain hanging in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split apart. Amen? The earth shook and the rocks split apart. You may go ahead and take your seats. I've been asking the Lord to give me a word. Uh, when um, Sister Chella called me and asked me if I would speak, and I, asked, I began to ask the Lord for a word. I began to ask him, God, what is it that you want me to share with the women? You know, I really don't like to do your, um, I'm a little different when I preach. In case you haven't noticed. And so I said, you know, I'm not an ordinary preacher. I don't want to give you a boring sermon. I want to bring you something. And I don't mean boring because I, I scream, you know. That doesn't make it exciting. It's the anointing that we need to let the message go forth. But, you know, I don't be like, well, and thou said the Lord. And, you know, I want you to leave here excited. I want you to leave here, but not just an emotional excitement. But because you know God has done something in your life. And you know that you've received a word. And I didn't understand because God usually gives me these 
big old intros, and I said, oh, I'm just going to read that, and that's it? Where, where do I go from there? You know, wh- where, what do you want me to speak on? And yes, I'm going to touch a little bit on the veil, but the topic of what we're talking about is not the veil. It's going beyond the veil. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The Bible says that Jesus again gave a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain hanging in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split apart. You see, the temple, it had three main parts. They were known as the courts. And I'm going to focus quickly on two of those courts. The first one was the holy place where only the priests could enter. Second was the most holy place where only the high priest could enter. He would go in only one time a year to atone for the sin of the nation. Now the curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place was torn in two at the death of Christ. What this symbolized was that the barrier between God and humanity was now removed. There was a barrier. There was all these laws. You know, if we were still judged by the law, we would not be sitting here today. If the veil was still hanging, none of us would be able to even get near the veil, much less go beyond the veil. But Jesus, with his death, it broke the barrier between God and humanity. It was removed. Some commentaries state that God's system says that a life must be given for a life. In the Old Testament, an animal's life was given to save the life of a person. But this was only a temporary measure until Jesus, until Jesus paid the penalty of sin for all people. He paid the ultimate price. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Not once a year, but once and for all. So that you and I could have freedom to approach God, to approach the throne. And because of that sacrifice that was made for us, we have now been set free. (coughs) We have been set free. We have been given freedom to approach God to approach the throne of the living king of kings and the Lord of lords. But there's a problem because not everybody's walking in the freedom that Christ paid for with his very own life. Freedom isn't free. Salvation was free, but freedom wasn't free. He paid with his life. He paid with his blood, with his flesh, with his soul. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price so that you and I could be free. Why is there still the sound of chains and shackles in the church? If Jesus paid the ultimate price for freedom. Why are there still women in bondage if Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price? Walking in freedom. Not everybody's walking in freedom. He already paid the price, sister. What's what's the battle? Can it be that big that his blood can't handle it? Is it that bad that the blood of Jesus cannot defeat it? 
I'm here to let you know that we serve a great God, a big God, a mighty God that can do all things. Even for those, you know, sometimes we've been saved for a long time and we start we stop believing in the power in the blood of Jesus. We stop believing in the name of Jesus. We get comfortable in our 10, 15, 20 years of salvation and we get familiar with the blood, familiar with the cross, familiar with the spirit of God and we say, "Oh, that's just the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's just another one of those sermons." No, it's the power it's the blood. It's the name of Jesus Christ. It's what's going to set you free. Do people really understand? Do you and I really truly understand that his death was not the end, but that it was the beginning? You know, his very own disciples whom he walked with, whom he had fellowship with, his very own disciples. They didn't know what to do. They got lost themselves for a moment there. See, I want to speak today on not only of the, of the many things that, that we can possess when we go beyond the veil. Uh, you know, there's many things that when you let yourself go beyond See, a lot of times we go so far. We even go as far as that, okay, we've realized that the veil's been torn. But that's not the end. That was just the beginning. Now it's stepping out beyond what has been torn. When I, I look at it like, man, you tore it open so I could walk through it. Why am I going to stay on this side trying to guess or wonder what's going on on the other side? I'm a curious individual. I want to know what's going on on the other side. Even if you didn't invite me, I'm going to show up because when it's good somewhere, I'm going. If the Spirit of God is there, I want more of that. See, some of you, oh, I'm shy. Get shy. You weren't shy in the world. Now you're shy in God. No one invited me to the service tonight. I didn't get an invitation. I'm not going. Huh? You weren't shy. You showed up at the party and you weren't invited. Hmm? You got in the car and sat on somebody's lap. You weren't invited. We got to go beyond the veil. And one of the things <coughs> that I have to, I, I feel, and as I read and studied about the life of one of the individuals I'm going to be speaking on, one of the greatest things or the greatest thing that you can attain when you go beyond the veil, it's called resurrection power. It's called resurrection power. And I'm going to read to you out of the Gospel of John, chapter 20. I want to read some verses to you. It says, on the first day of the week, early in the morning, and while it was still dark. Remember, we're going beyond the veil. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and noticed that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran off and went to Simon, Peter, and the other disciple whom Jesus kept loving. She told him they have it. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples set out to go to the tomb. The two of them were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. Bending over to look inside, he noticed the linen cloth lying there, 
but didn't go in. At this point, Simon Peter arrived following him and went straight into the tomb. He observed that the linen, it could also be translated the veil. He noticed the linen cloth lying there. And that the handkerchief that had been on Jesus' head was not lying with the linen cloth, but was rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple who arrived at the tomb first went inside, looked, and believed. See, you got to go inside to believe. You got to go past to believe. For they did not yet understand the scripture that said that he had to rise from the dead. You know, as much as he told them about his resurrection, they still didn't understand. At first, they saw an empty tomb. We can't just see that the tomb is empty. We have to know that he has risen from the dead. You see, an empty tomb means a risen Savior, my sister. An empty tomb means a risen Savior. A hard situation means it's the perfect place, condition, time for Jesus Christ to show up on the scene. Sometimes a trial comes, sick, sickness comes, our children get out there and run in the streets, different things happen, and all of a sudden, instead of just seeing that this is an opportunity for our risen Savior to show up, we just see an empty tomb. We just see that they've taken Jesus from us. Listen, nobody can take the Savior from you. Instead of seeing the empty tomb, see that the Savior has risen and that he's ready to come to your aid and meet your need. He wasn't meant to be under a cloth. He wasn't meant to be kept behind a veil. You're not meant to just be, because a veil is to cover you. It can cover you. I studied it. It means you, you can even hide things behind the veil. Now I was thinking about how sometimes we hang curtains and we put things behind the curtain. See, some veils aren't good. There's some negative veils. There's some bad veils. And we need to tear them from top to bottom tonight. Huh? Jesus wasn't meant to lay dead in a tomb with a veil laying over him. See, the veil had already been torn, and it was his time. That's why I said it wasn't the end. It was barely the beginning. And some are in a hard situation right now, and you say, it's the end. Oh, it's the end. I, I haven't been through this. This is the hardest one yet. No, because what you're seeing is an empty tomb. You're just looking at the veil. You're just looking at what's on this side. You got to go beyond. You have to understand that an empty tomb means a risen Savior. That's what it means. We must understand the resurrection of Christ. That's what happened after the veil was torn. He died on the cross. The veil tore from top to bottom. He laid in a tomb. They laid a Again, they tried to put a veil on him. And he rose from that. And now we have to understand what is beyond that. It's called resurrection power. And a lot of Christians are walking around without resurrection power. They're not walking around with resurrection power. Oh, that's from the Bible times. Well, isn't that where we get what we live by? Isn't that where we go to find out how to walk like Christ? Oh, that's for the pastor. 
Can you imagine if an entire church got together and didn't rely just on the pastor to walk in resurrection power? What would happen in a city? What would happen in a country? What would happen in a continent? What would happen all over the world if the church, the body of Christ, realized that they have resurrection power inside of them to take a stand against the works of the enemy? Great and mighty things would happen. Resurrection is the act of being raised from the dead. It's used in the Bible three different ways. The first one, is Jesus resurrected to allow all people to enter into a relationship with God. That was the tearing of the veil so that we could enter in into a relationship with God. Two, resurrection is also used to refer to the miracle of returning from the dead back to life on earth. There has been resurrection on earth. It's in the Bible. We have examples. Elijah raised the Shumanite woman's son. Peter raised Dorcas. Paul raised Eutychus, if I said his name right. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. They died here on earth. And the resurrection power fell on ordinary people like you and I. And they were able to go and speak to the dead and said, rise up from your dead situation. We still have that same resurrection power today. You could still go where the dead are. You could tell that dead drug addict, that dead prostitute. You could tell that sinner that's dead, rise in Jesus' name. You you possess resurrection power. It's alive today like it was then. The third meaning of resurrection also refers to the end of time when all people will be resurrected, either to be punished or rewarded based on their belief in Jesus Christ. Don't hate me and don't stone me. I'm just preaching the truth. What is then the resurrection of Christ? The resurrection of Christ is the central point of the Christian movement. It is the central point of the Christian movement. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Resurrection allowed people to have a new living hope. Oh, sister, I haven't seen resurrection. Then you must not look in the mirror very well. Because every time I look in the mirror, I see a resurrected soldier. I see someone that was resurrected from a dead situation. I see a woman that should be dead in the grave. But because of God and his mercy, he resurrected. And when he resurrected me, he gave me a new living hope. You have a new living hope inside of you. Why are you depressed? Why are you walking around oppressed? Why are you letting the enemy rob you? You got to shake it off and you got to get up and you got to know that you've been resurrected with a new living hope inside of you. You're walking around with chains and shackles and all kinds of bondage all over you. You know, you must like walking around like that because the God that I serve said, I've given you a new living hope. And you don't got to walk around like that. Shake off those heavy bands. Take the enemy and say, get off my back. I have a living hope. See, it's not the kind of hope like the one that you and I used to walk around the street saying, man, I hope the connection's there. I hope this happens. I hope that happens. It's not that kind of living hope. That's dead hope. Huh? Living hope. Real hope. 
When we say, I hope the Lord comes through, it's saying, I know the Lord's coming through. <clears throat> Do you know you have a new living hope? I took this little sweet message about the veil. Hey, man, well, we're beyond the veil. The veil got torn down, sister. Huh? Still want to wear a veil? You're in the wrong church. I don't need to cover nothing because he's already washed and cleansed in the blood of the lamb. Huh? We don't need to hide behind the veil. We need to go beyond the veil. <clears throat> Resurrection allows people a new living hope. Man, I'm so grateful I have a new living hope. First John chapter 1, verse, verses 1 through 3 said, What existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we observed and touched with our own hands, this is the word of life. This life was revealed to us, and we have, and we have seen it and testify about it. We declare to you this eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we declare to you. What we have seen and heard, we declare to you so that you too. Oh, come on. It's not just my responsibility. Thank you for showing up. Now, here's why we wanted you here. So that you too. I said so that you too can have fellowship with us. Now, this fellowship of ours is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. See, I don't got business fellowshipping with the world. I don't got business fellowshipping with the unbeliever. My business is fellowshipping with the Father and with the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's your business to be fellowshipping with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know who you fellowship with identifies you. Who are you hanging out with? Hmm? Who are you kicking it with? Who are you having fellowship with? Bible says that the fellow, this fellowship of ours, that's why some can't hang. Hmm? I thought it was just a gathering and there was going to be fruit and cupcakes on the table. Huh? I didn't know it was going to be like that. Lady up there yelling at me, I don't even know her. I said, okay, you don't need to know me because I can't do anything for you. You just need to know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection before you leave this place. You're in the car too late. Jesus' resurrection was the foundation for witness and fellowship with God. If he would have never died on the cross, the veil would have never been torn, and we would have never been able to have access to God the way you and I have access to God today. I'm going to read scripture to you out of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. It says, if we preach that Christ was raised from the dead, how can some of you say that the dead will not be raised to life? If they won't be raised to life, Christ himself wasn't raised to life. And if Christ wasn't raised to life, our message is worthless, and so is your faith. If the dead won't be raised to life, we have told lies about God by saying that he raised Christ to life when he really did not. So if the dead won't be raised to life, Christ wasn't raised to life. Unless Christ was raised to life, your faith is useless. And you are still living in your sins. 
And those people who died after putting their faith in him are completely lost. If your hope in Christ is good only for this life, we are worse off than anyone else. But Christ has been raised to life. And he makes us certain that others will also be raised to life. That's out of the Message Bible in case some of you are saying, that's not doctrine. Where did you get that from? Read it in the Message. It says that our faith is useless if we don't believe in resurrection. And you know, sometimes we could say we believe in it, but we don't walk in it. I believe that Jesus raised from the dead. Then why can't you believe he's greater than your circumstance? Why can't you believe he's greater than your situation? Why can't you believe that he can do all things, not just some things? we got to believe God and the power of his resurrection. If we can't believe that Christ was raised from the dead, then your faith and my faith is useless. It says we're worse off than others. And we're simply lost. I don't believe that. I believe that my Lord and Savior rose on the third day. He rose. He went beyond the veil. He's a resurrected redeemer. Paul is telling us in that scripture that without resurrection, resurrection, there's no reason to preach or have faith. I don't think we preach about this a lot. And Paul's telling us, look, without resurrection, don't even bother to preach or have faith. Because that's what we're supposed to be preaching, aren't we? Bringing the dead back to life. And beyond that, we're supposed to be preaching Jesus Christ. Let's not become one of those churches where we're a bunch of tailors. Come on in and let me fit this sermon to your life. No, we're going to preach it straight and pure and uncut because your life needs to fit the gospel, not the gospel fit your life. We're not here to fix your hymn. No, I'm here to tear off your hymn so that you can know that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. I don't serve a dead God. I serve a living God. He's resurrected, and there is resurrection power. And if I have access to it, I'm going to go after it. You got to go after it. Put your needle and thread away because there's no sewing here. Huh? I don't read in the Bible it says the veil was torn, and then they went and fixed it and sewed it back up. No, they left it torn just the way it was. Huh? We need to tear through some things. Quit trying to look all good on the outside. What's going on on the inside? Your hand might be perfect. You might look all cute, but what's going on on the inside? Huh? We got to get breakthroughs. And the only way we're going to get them is knowing that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He went beyond. Are you going to go beyond? I want to go beyond. You know, this last year, I had to tear some veils. See, veils will come back up in your life. And you'll stay there. The Lord took my, my precious spiritual father home, and it was God's plan. But when it happened, I couldn't see. I was standing here, and I couldn't see anything. I heard you on the other side. I knew you were on the other side. I knew things were going on, but I was here, and I couldn't see because of what I felt, what I was going through, my own personal self. And there came a day where he said, man, tear that veil. Get out from behind that veil. I've called you. I have a plan for you. You can't stay there. I'm God. I'm sovereign. I'm holy. I'm your resurrected redeemer. Get up out of that situation. 
And I'm here to tell you, you can't be hiding behind that veil because God has called you. He has something for you to do. I'm not telling you your situation isn't hard or that it doesn't hurt. Because believe me, I have experienced some hurt. And I know that it's hard. But you know what? I also know that my spiritual father taught me to be a soldier, taught me to fight, taught me to press on. Your spiritual father here has taught you the same. We have great generals that have gone before us. Can you imagine if they would have stayed behind a veil, if they never would have walked in resurrection power, you and I wouldn't be here today. They tore the veil and they went beyond. They walked in resurrection power. Do you want resurrection power? Paul is telling us, without it, forget it, don't preach or have faith. Without the resurrection, the Christian the Christian belief, our very foundation for existence is empty and meaningless. If we just walk around like ordinary Christians and we don't preach that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that the veil was torn, oh, and we just walk around like good little Christians with our little Bibles and, oh, good morning, God bless you. You know, what's that going to do? The devil will tell you, God bless you. What's that going to do? I walk up to sinners and they tell me, God bless you. What's that going to do? Huh? People carry a Bible all the time. What is that going to do? Huh? We go walk around like good little Christians. I'm a good little Christian. I'm a good little saint. I don't want to be a good little saint. I want some blood on your sword. Because I want to know that when we go to battle, you're going to fight. I'll, I'll stand right here and keep watch. When are you going to go hide behind the veil? That's what you're going to do. No, we need women that are going to go beyond. Women that aren't going to be afraid. Even when it's a scary situation, you'll say, man, I got resurrection power inside of me. I can conquer this devil. I can get over this mountain. I can get through this valley because God is with me. <clears throat> it's empty and meaningless without preaching resurrection power. For Paul, the resurrection was the greatest unveiling of God's power in Jesus. See, when, when Paul came to Christ, when Christ interrupted his life, he actually put a veil over his life for a quick moment. He blinded his eyes. He didn't allow him to see. He didn't allow him to see. And then there was an unveiling that took place. See, God had to blind him to what he was used to seeing and what he was used to looking at. God used the veil in a positive, in a good way, and he blinded Paul at the moment Saul so that he could unveil who he was to him. And there's going to come moments where veils will come over you, but they're only for a moment. It's only for God to change your perspective, your point of view. It's only for a moment, but don't get stuck. I almost got stuck. God was doing something in me, and I almost got stuck behind it because I, I didn't understand that he was showing me who he was in a greater way. He was teaching me something new about him and about his resurrection power. Man, you know what? Let me tell you, don't get stuck. You don't get stuck. You got to come up. You got to come out. You got to say, okay, God, it's you. You're doing something new. You're unveiling something new right before me. And Paul took on the resurrection of Christ as the greatest unveiling of God's power in Jesus. 
Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming conformed unto his death. This scripture here is said to be Paul's all-consuming passion. I studied about Paul's life, and, and it said that this scripture was his all-consuming passion. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't know too many Christians that say, Lord, I want to become familiar with the fellowship of your sufferings. I even want to become conformed unto his death, he said. Some of us don't even want to die to our flesh for something as simple as stop watching so much TV. Huh? Get off Facebook. Get off whatever thing you're doing and get a little more into me. But Paul says, I want to I wanna have fellowship in your suffering, Lord. I want to be conformed unto death as you were, Lord. There are four things that Paul is telling us about in this scripture. The first one is the knowledge of God. The second is resurrection power. Third, fellowship in Christ's suffering. Conforming to the death of Christ is the fourth one. Knowledge of God, resurrection power, fellowship in Christ's suffering, and conforming to the death of Christ. Focus on this for a moment. What does it mean to conform to the death of Christ? It means this. It means acquaintanceship. That's what it means. In other words, my sisters, it means that we must acquaint ourselves with the death of Jesus Christ. Acquaint means to familiarize yourself with something or someone. Have you truly familiarized yourself with the death of your Savior? That's the reason we're here. If you have not knowledge or not are not familiar with the price that Jesus paid. You have not uh, acquainted, you have not uh, associated yourself with him in the way that he has called you to. Because he says, you should be familiar with me. Not where you're just, oh, I know him. Not like that. But you should know me in the power of my resurrection because it was that power that raised you out of that grave, out of that sin, out of that dead circumstance that you were in. How could you not know me? How could you not remember me on that day, on that corner, in that prison cell, in that shooting gallery? How have you forgotten that it was me, your Savior, your resurrected Redeemer? Paul is telling us, in fact, I believe he's urging us to familiarize ourselves with resurrection power. God is calling a people that will familiarize themselves with resurrection power. Victory Outreach International is an end-time ministry. We're called to the forefronts 
We're called to preach the gospel in every major inner city of the world, in the highways and the byways. Yesterday, I spent all day at Chowchilla's women's prison, preached three sermons back to back to those women that are hurting, that are lost. You got lifers in there. You got murderers. You got baby killers. You got everything in there. Oh, but the power of God, resurrection power fell, and women were giving their lives to Jesus. That's who you and I are called to be. Not these nice, quiet, little sweet Christians. I mean, nothing wrong with being quiet and sweet, but now when you got to get a little crazy, come on, man. Break out a little bit. Do something. Get a little crazy. It's all right as long as it's in the Lord. You got to acquaint yourself with him and who he is. You know, resurrection, what it means? It means to stand up against. It means a spiritual truth. And it means to be risen, to rise from the dead. And that's what Jesus did. When he died on the cross, he stood up against Satan in the kingdom of darkness. When he, when he died on the cross and he rose, he rose with the spiritual truth that I am the son of the living God. And he said, you could tear me down, but in three days I'm going to get back up. It was a spiritual truth, and he rose from the dead. We must familiarize ourselves with this resurrection power so when the devil comes and tries to lie, tries to rob us of our callings, tries to rob us of our finances, tries to rob our children, tries to keep us hidden behind a veil because we're afraid, we're not going to sit back like nice, quiet, little Christian women, and we're not going to take it because we'll know that inside of us there is a power called resurrection, and we can operate in it. We can walk in it. We'll stand up against the enemy because resurrection means to stand up against. Huh? We'll stand up against the enemy with the spiritual truth that our Savior lives. See, the devil likes to mess with you. And tell you that a lot of situations are dead. Forget it, it's over. But really what he's telling you is your Savior's dead. And sometimes we believe it. See, if the devil's telling you that this is never going to happen for you, he's basically telling your Savior never raised from the dead. He never rose from the dead because if he did, he'd be here right now with resurrection power. But see, that's where you're supposed to say he is here. He's right here inside of me. And you're about to see some resurrection power when I get on my knees, like my sister said, and I start crying out to the Lord. You're going to see me stand up against you because of the truth that lives inside of me. But too many women just say, okay, yeah, you're right. This will never change. Forget that. You got to get a little ghetto sometimes. You got to get a little crazy every once in a while. Hmm? I'm saved and sophisticated. Well, so am I. What are you trying to say? Hmm? I'm saved too. But does not mean I'm going to stand there all quiet and afraid? No, we got resurrection power inside of us. You got to stand up against the enemy. If you don't stand up against the enemy for your husband, tell me who will. That's just a question. Maybe you could think about it tonight. Say, oh, the devil's been hitting my husband. Why? Why is the devil hitting your husband? When I see the devil hitting my husband, man, I slap myself. Say, oh, what happened? How did you miss that one? And I go and get in front of that man. If the devil's hitting your children and you're just sitting there, no, you got to get up because you've got resurrection power inside of you. You've got a truth inside of you that you could speak against the kingdom of darkness. 
Don't listen to what he says because those are lies. You know, we have this power, but we don't familiarize ourselves with power. It's like um, everybody's getting the new iPhone. I wonder how much time you've spent familiarizing yourself with your new little gadget you got. Huh? Huh? Been there for like an hour. Oh, oh, look at the new app. Oh, look at, oh, my God, look at the new ringtone. I hear another ringtone, Jeremiah 33.3, that says, call to me. Huh? We spend a lot of time familiarizing ourselves and becoming acquainted with a whole lot of things that don't do anything for us. Is that iPhone 5 going to call heaven for you when you need miracles and when you need resurrection power or iPhone 7 or 10, whatever one we're on? I don't really care. As long as my phone has the green where it can call and the red where you can hang up, I'm good with that. I don't need no fancy gadget. Because you know what? The real uh, connection, the real line I need is this right here. So when I need a call on my Savior, I'm not going to get cut off because I'm not real familiar with my new gadget. My minutes won't run out. Uh, you know, I don't have bad reception because I could call on the Lord wherever I'm at. I could call on resurrection power wherever I go. And there is a truth inside of me. you got to stand up against the enemy with a spiritual truth. A spiritual truth. You have resurrection power. Power means miraculous. Miraculous power, mighty ability. It means worker of miracles. Who's the worker of miracles? Huh? We have the Holy Spirit. We have him. He's here with us right now. Because if he wasn't here with us right now, we wouldn't be able to be here. It's his spirit. He's drawing us together. Huh? That's who our Savior is. Paul is telling us, if only you would get to know him in the power of his resurrection, then you too would walk in this resurrection power. The power to call the dead back to life. I'm talking about the backslider, my sister. We got backsliders out there, and we need to call the dead back to life. We need to call them back to life. We need to let them know that home is here. We need to let them know we love them. But sometimes we spend too much time judging. We spend too much time talking about people. We spend too much time pointing out all the wrong in them and all the bad they did. Maybe so, but if you're stronger, then you shouldn't look down on them. What you should do is go and help them get back up. You should go with some of that resurrection power, and you should lay hands on them, and you should speak life back to them. Call the backslider home. Call the backslider home. I said, call the backslider home. Don't forget the backslider. Don't forget them because their tomorrow's not promised just like ours isn't. Don't forget your sister out there. Don't forget her. Resurrection power resides inside of us. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with the power that God's given you? What are we doing? What are we really doing with it? Are we sitting on it? Do we just barely tap into it when we need it? Or are we really walking in it to the fullness that Christ has called us to walk in? See, there's too many out there. There's too many sinners. There's too many backsliders. There's too many out there. They need to come home now. They need to come home now. And we need to let them know that the door is open, that they can come home. That they can come home. 
What about the sick in body? Paul said that resurrection power is miraculous power. Hmm? Miraculous power. Don't you want that kind of power? I have a daughter in a wheelchair. She's 23. She's had 17 surgeries, two metal rods in her back with screws, metal plates all over her head, a tube from her brain to her heart, paraplegic from the waist down. Oh, I want miraculous power. I want miraculous power. I want it to reside inside of me so that I could lay hands on her and I could see her get up out of that wheelchair. Don't you want miraculous power? Don't you want that kind of, not power for yourself or a, a power that, oh, look at me and who I am. No, it's a power that comes from heaven that even if we try to claim it as our own, we wouldn't be able to because it would be evident that it's power from heaven. Huh? Miraculous power, resurrection power, where you could call the sick up and out and they would be healed. Huh? But in order to do this, we must follow what the word of God tells us. We must follow what the word of God tells us. And that is to conform to his death. See, this is the part we all kind of want to tune out. In other words, you say, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Well, I want to know the power of life. Sometimes we say, I want to know the power of life, power of resurrection. Well, then you need to know the power of death. In order to know the power of life, you must know the power of death. Without knowing the power of death, you'll never know the power of life. Without ever being in a situation that requires faith, you'll never have faith. Without ever being in a hurt, hard backed into the corner and every demon from hell coming against you, you'll never know what the power is because there'll be no need for you to know. There'll be no need. You're just living a mediocre life. Well, the devil doesn't mess with me, sister. It ain't because you're all that and you got it all together. It's because maybe you're not being a threat to him. Maybe that's why he's not messing with you. Huh? Someone says, oh, thank God the devil's not hitting me. He's over there. But, man, that makes me question myself sometimes. Not that I want the devil to hit me, okay? Now, I ain't trying to claim nothing. But I think, hmm, doesn't it make you wonder when it's all peaceful and quiet? Oh, a storm is coming. What's going on? Huh? Makes you wonder sometimes. In order to come to know the power of life, the power of resurrection, we must come to know the power of death. There is power in death, yes. There's power in death to kill us. There's power in death to give us everlasting life. Christ died so that you and I would live. Now we must die so that others can live. See, everything he did was so that you and I would follow. What? I have to die? Yes. You and I have to die. We have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our dreams. We have to die to our wants. We even have to die to our hopes. We have to die to what we thought was going to happen. And it didn't happen that way. You have to die to that. You have to die to everything. Because then you'll begin to experience resurrection power. You'll begin to experience it. Christ died so you and I could live. 
and we must conform to his death. The word conform means resemblance and obedience. That's what it means. To conform means you resemble, but it means that you're obedient. Jesus conformed to his father's will. Now we must conform to his death. If conform means resemblance, then that means that we must look like our savior, but we must look like him in death, meaning we have to die to ourselves. It means you don't look like you anymore. You don't look like yourself no more. Huh? It's impossible to look the same after death. It's impossible. It was impossible. Mary didn't even recognize Jesus in the garden because he had died and rose from the dead. She didn't even recognize him. When you die, it's impossible to look the same. When you've gone through, through, the, through the valleys, when you've gone and the waters have come over you, but they didn't overtake you. When you were in the fire, but it didn't burn you. It's impossible to come out looking the same woman. It's impossible. It's impossible to look the same after death. It's impossible to look the same after you've been through a there's a look that a woman gets on her face after she has been through a battle. There's a look in her eye of determination. There's a look in her eye like, man, I conquered that one, and I'm going to keep going on to the next one. There's a look in a woman's eye who has experienced death. There's a look. We must resemble him. We must look like him. When you've died to yourself, you don't talk the same. You don't act the same. You don't even walk the same. Listen, this last year, I've learned a new talk, a new walk. I've even learned to act differently. There's something different in this last year that happened in my life. For a year, I was behind a veil. And this last year, I've realized, man, I came out of that. I don't talk the same. I'm not just talking about when you first get saved and not walking the same all fleshly and shaking everything you got. I'm talking about year after year after year of being saved. You got to change and conform to his death. You've been saved 20 years. This message is just for you. Oh, you thought I was talking to the new sister. No, I was talking to you because you've been here for a minute. It's time to come out from behind the veil. You too. It's time to change the way you talk too, the way you act too. Maybe it's time for you to die to yourself. Huh? It's time to die to ourselves. See, when we have died to ourselves, we've nailed that old woman to the cross. You've been obedient to the cross. Did it hurt? Yes, it hurt. Did it cost you? I'm sure it did. Was it unbear unbearable at times? Oh, God, yes, it was. It was unbearable at times, but it was, it was death that brought life. And it's death that will bring life. Some of you are saying, man, I just want things to change in my house, then die to yourself. I want my husband to change, then die to yourself. I want my children saved, die to yourself. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. Die to yourself, and death will bring life. Death will bring life. And obedience 
to the cross, it brings reward. Being obedient to the cross brings reward. We must familiarize ourselves with Christ and the power of his resurrection. We must know who our Savior is because in resurrection power and in suffering, in, in resurrection power and, and in suffering, it will increase your knowledge of who he is. See, we want to know Christ, but we don't want to go through the sufferings to get to know him. And I'm getting ready to close. The, the music, musicians can come up. I want you to stay still because I'm going to keep, I've got a few more things to share with you. But I want us to get prepared. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He says, becoming conformed unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection from the dead. Commentary state this about these two scriptures, verse 10 and 11 of Philippians chapter 3. Commentary state this. That I may know him, not speculate about him. That I may know him. That's what commentaries are state. That Paul was saying, I want to know him, not just speculate about him. When you speculate about things, you don't get the fullness of what's really taking place. When you're just a spectator, you don't feel the fullness of what's really going on. You can only tell part of the story. He said that I may know him, not speculate about him. See, Paul desires a richer, fuller experience in the knowledge of Christ. Everything else fades into worthlessness. That's what he says. Everything else just fades into worthlessness. Because all I want is to experience my Jesus. And the power of his resurrection... That power exercised when God raised Christ from the dead. Such power, my sisters, is available and imparted by the indwelling risen Christ. Paul said this, if by any means, I think we're, we're the kind of women that could make that kind of a statement. I really do. See, God doesn't make mistakes. He knew who he called to be here at lunch. I believe we are the kind of women. You don't have to come from a drug addict background or have been in prison or in the Navy. You could be in here today, a lawyer. My sister's here. She's a sheriff. Never went down the road I went. She's saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Victory Outreach. Huh? We have women that have not gone down this road and have gone down another road, but God knew exactly who to bring in together. I believe we have women in this room that have this crazy boldness inside of them to say, if by any means I might attain this resurrection power. If by any means I might attain not implying uncertainty like I might attain resurrection power. 
Maybe I'll get resurrection power. Well, I don't know. We'll see. No. See, this statement is being made by someone that has absolutely no doubt that they can attain by any means resurrection power. I believe we have that group of women in this sanctuary tonight. There is no doubt about the realization. There is no doubt about the realization, but rather, how can I attain this resurrection power? The question is not, is there resurrection power? No, the question is, how can I get resurrection power? How can I attain it? Because I'm willing to pay whatever price to attain the power called resurrection. I'm willing to die. I'm willing to be conformed. I'm willing to be obedient to the cross. I'm willing to go all the way to attain resurrection power. Commentators state that when Paul said by any means that he was saying, Lord, will it be by a martyr's death? Will it be a nonviolent death? Or will it be by the rapture? You see, Paul was ready. He familiarized himself with the power of the resurrection of Christ, and he was ready. When he said by any means, he said, God, if you want it to be a martyr's death, then so be it. If you want it to be nonviolent, so be it. However you want me to die to myself, so be it by any means, Lord. By any means. Dying to, to self isn't tomorrow or next week. If you can't die to yourself now, I don't know what your tomorrow or next week is going to look like. Paul understood that there would be times of suffering. He understood that this was not a one-time thing, but it was a lifetime commitment. He understood that death brings life. That the tearing of the veil was so that we could approach God in all freedom and in liberty. And the, that the devil, life, or circumstances were not going to interrupt him. Sufferings didn't daunt Paul and death could not terrorize him. In fact, Paul viewed suffering and death as an opportunity for a fuller and richer fellowship with Christ. He viewed it as a richer and fuller fellowship with Christ. And that's why he said that I may know him. He was saying that I may suffer with him. That I may die to myself in Christ so that I too can resurrect with him. Some are still dead here today. It's time. It's time. See, we take steps. We take steps of faith to say, I'm going to die to myself. But sometimes we just die in ourselves. We just die in, not to, but in ourselves. We die in ourselves and in our wants and in our needs and in our desires and in our flesh. Today, 
it's your day to get up and get out of that dead situation. Get out of that grave. Get out of that tomb. The stone has been rolled aside for you. You know why some have died? Because you settled just for salvation. You settled just at the entrance where the veil was torn and you said, that's enough. No, it's not. He didn't save you just so you could be saved. He didn't save you just so you could be comfortable. He didn't save you just for your very own life. He saved you for others. He saved you to be all that he's called you to be. Being saved isn't enough. Jesus died for our sins, but he didn't stay in the grave dead. He resurrected for you to have eternal life. But some don't want the sufferings of the cross. They just want the benefits of the cross. They just want the covering of the cross. They just want the veil of the cross because that's what veil, that's another meaning. It means covering. I just want the covering of the church, but I don't want to help build the church. I just want the covering of the pastor, but I ain't going to pray for the pastor. I just want the covering of the cross, but I don't want to be obedient to the cross. Listen, I've got news. God isn't an insurance broker where you go and you decide what kind of coverage you want. Oh, I just want, I just want liability. I'll just, just cover what I, you know, what I break, what I fix, what I wreck into. Just cover that over there. Just fix that. No. God wants to fix you. God wants to fix me. God wants to deal with here, inside. See, it's full coverage or nothing, sister. God don't do liability. It's full coverage. I said it's full coverage. The veil, this veil, it's full coverage. God doesn't want part-time Christians. He doesn't want, oh, just tap in to the power when you need it for yourself and your little house. I need power in my house, but it's not just about my house. It's not just about my house. I haven't seen my kids in two days <laughs> or three days. <laughs> I seen them real quick. I ran in the house and ran back out. Because you know what? My children know. My children know that I've died to myself. I was at the prison all day yesterday. I came in for a few minutes and had to leave to a meeting. I was gone all day today. Walked in, changed, threw a skirt on and said, got to go. You know why? Because this life doesn't belong to me. And if I teach them that it's all about the four walls of our house, that's the kind of kids I'm going to raise. I'm going to ra raise some kids that don't know anything about resurrection power. I'm going to raise kids that are going to say, it's okay not to answer the call of God. It's okay not to come under the authority of Christ. It's okay for me just to be saved. No, it's not okay just to be saved. There's a dying and hurting people. I want you to stand with me. Listen, it's all the way. We, we cannot afford to go halfway. It's time to rise up from dead situations. And it's time to begin to know him in the power of his resurrection. The only plan you need for all you planners, your planner's this thick. Listen, you only need one plan. Can I show you real quick? 
You only need one plan. It's right here. This is the only plan. Put your plan down. Half those things in there you haven't even done anyways. Pick up this plan. The plan that says I'm not going to harm you. The plan that says I got it. I got you. You'll be all right. It's all the way. It's time to rise from dead situations and begin to know him in the power of his resurrection. The plan of resurrection power. Who's tired of just being saved? Who's tired of just calling themselves a good little Christian? Who's tired of being mediocre? Who's tired? When's the last time you touched a hurting sinner? When's the last time a broken woman was in your arms? When's the last time you didn't go to bed at 9 o'clock at night, but you were out in the streets talking to the lost and the brokenhearted woman? When's the last time you led a sinner to Jesus? When's the last time you laid hands on a sick woman and you believed that she could be healed? And I'm talking to some of you that have been around a long time. You don't even realize that you're in a dead situation. You're in a grave and it's getting deeper and deeper.